third down and seven from the New Orleans 27-yard line. 49ers into the backfield. Smith on third down. He'll take it himself for first down. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Red Gold Standard Podcast here on 49ers Hive. My name is Zach Hernandez. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Anthony Perry. Anthony, how you doing today? What's going on, Zach? What's going on, Faithful? It is your boy, Perry, back with another edition of the Red and Gold Standard Podcast. Kind of slow news week. Still got some Raheem Mostert stuff to talk about. Maybe a little George Kittle and Kendrick Bourne stuff. But uh, without further ado, Zach, let's get it rolling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there wasn't much going on this week, at least since we've done the last podcast. Not much news on the Raheem Mostert front. However, there was this kind of recent campaign that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe was started by uh, the SF Niners, uh, Brad, over there. Make sure you guys go and give him a follow if you haven't already. Uh, He started this campaign, Pay George Kittle. And I just think that that's perfect because what other player do the 49ers have that's more valuable than George Kittle right now um his handle is uh Graham G-A-R excuse me G-R-A-H-A-M-T-S-F-N as in the San Francisco 49ers network um so he started this campaign and it's been picking up a lot of steam I mean we got guys like Trent Taylor uh chipping in George Taylor excuse me, George Kittle's trainer, his strength coach, uh, former wide receiver, 49ers wide receiver, Quentin Patton, they're all, you know, echoing the same sentiments, pay George Kittle. Uh, And it kind of got to the point where it was trending uh, on Twitter even as well. So, Anthony, let's just talk about this real quick. Why would the 49ers not pay George Kittle? What's the argument there? I don't know if Parag and Lynch and the team are trying to figure like cap salary numbers regarding other guys like K1, Trent Williams. Obviously, they'll have to re-sign Kendrick Bourne at some point too. Uh, maybe restructuring comp- contracts for guys like Jimmy Garoppolo and you know, shoot, honestly Jimmy Garoppolo because he makes so much money and even D Ford. And I think it's kind of just a wait and see type thing. I don't think they mean to not sign him, but shoot, dude, like I, I think I said in the last podcast. With the coronavirus going on and unsure numbers regarding the salary cap, if it's going to go up and down, I think they're just waiting to see where it's going to be before they make an official move. Because, man, you never know what's going to happen, dude. We could get football. We couldn't get football. Teams could win money. Teams could lose money, basically. And uh, I I think the teams just don't want to take a chance that they're going to put too much money into one player if it means they may not make it back in the next, say, two or three seasons. Because who knows... Who knows what could happen, you know? And I'm not saying that there isn't going to be football or there is going to be football, but at the end of the day, guys like Jed York and Parag, man, they really care about the team's money. And if it means saving, you know, 13 to $15 million a season on George Kittle, I sadly think they're going to go favor the money side of the uh, business world, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you there. What What's unfortunate is just kind of, looking at the current tight end market and you got guys like uh let me pull this up here per over the cap the highest paid tight end right now is uh or per year i should say is hunter henry he's getting what 10 6 
Austin Hooper is getting 10-5. Travis Kelsey is getting 9-3. And, I mean, Travis Kelsey is really the only one that's even close to George Kittle. And George Kittle, oh, man, I mean, I don't even want to go on this list because, I mean, granted, he's on his rookie contract. I understand that. But there are way way less talented tight ends with all due respect to them getting paid a lot more money than he is so the argument is that he's a revolutionary type player uh he's like a tony gonzalez or a gronkowski or even um kind of a a better version of vernon davis so to speak at least he has been so far and the fact that they have these tight ends coming and they're making more money it's it's not a good look, and especially if you want to build a team long term, and you want to send the message that, especially to the own guys that your own guys that you've drafted and that you've cultivated their talents, you've turned them into uh, superstars, and they've really really thrived in your system. You want to show as a franchise that you will reward that, and you want them to want to stay because they know that they'll get that contract. So then in turn they want to play harder, work harder, and and, and earn all of the incentives. So while I do understand what you mean, there's only so much money to go around. Uh, these guys like Parag, they get paid strictly to figure out how to move that money around perfectly. Um, so whatever the case may be, they need to make sure that they do move that money around to the point where they get George Kittle his. Because, man, Anthony, I don't know how you would feel if George Kittle was rocking another jersey. Um, and, and, you know, Brad Graham of the... SF Niners, he did also tweet out, uh, you know, that he had some speculation that possibly George Kittle was being involved in the trade rumors for jet safety Jamal Adams that the 49ers were rumored to be engaged in earlier this week. Um, I believe Grant Cohn broke that story. I could be wrong. Uh, What do you think about that? Do you think there's any truth to the fact that George Kittle could be going to the East Coast in in exchange for Jamal Adams? Nah, and here's why. Jamal Adams is a fantastic, uh, I guess you could say strong safety, top three safety in the league, if you will. But I think with how good the pass rush is, I think you could pass on generational, or not even generational, just solid five to six year safety defensive type corner, or DBs, if you will, for a tight end that you can maybe get once in a lifetime. And I just don't think you, I mean, I don't know. If I were the Jets, I'd be trading Jamal Adams in like one and a two just for George Kittle because I think George Kittle is 100 times more valuable than what Jamal Adams has to offer. And we saw how good Joukowsky Tart is. He may not get interceptions. He may not make flashy plays. But the dude just gets the job done. And what more could you ask for from him? And the same goes for Marcel Harris if Marcel Harris has to replace Tart. Marcel Harris isn't Jamal Adams. But shoot, man. Marcel Harris can get the job done just like Tart can. So what need is there for Jamal Adams? I think Jamal Adams is still a fantastic player. Don't get me wrong. He's, but the thing is, is that he's not a top 10 player. He's not a top 15 player. George Kittle is arguably a top five player in the league, in the whole league, because of his ability to catch and run, his ability to block, and just his ability to single-handedly impact and dominate the game on his own. We don't see tight ends do that. That's something only wide receivers, quarterbacks, and running backs do. And yeah, we've seen guys like Tony Gonzalez and Rob Gronkowski do it, but how often do they come in the league? Not that often at all. We see 
excellent tight ends like Travis Kelsey, Austin Hooper, Hunter Henry, but you don't put them in the categories of guys like Gonzalez and Gronkowski or, you know, even like a DeAndre Hawkins or Julio Jones or Mike Evans. You you put guys like George Kittle in that in that category with the Mike Evans, with the Hawkins, with the uh, let's just say with the Zeke Elliotts and even Saquon Barkley who who played part hurt and he still played really well on the Giants' kind of bad offensive line. So the point being is that you don't go after Jamal Adams if it means you're going to sacrifice something that could greatly hinder the team as a whole, and not just for the offense, man, but for, again for the team. You get you lose a guy like George Kittle, and you lose the ability to move the ball as well as the offense can. And you just can't make that kind of sacrifice with a lot of unknowns to begin with. Yeah, they have solid wide receiver options like Debo Samuel, and we got to see what happens with Brandon Ayuk if he uh, translates to the NFL well. And obviously Kendrick Bourne is effective, but you can't replace George Kittle. Even if you draft a guy like uh, Charlie Warner, who may be able to get the job done. But again, they're rookies, dude. We don't know what they can do. We know what George Kittle can do, and you just you can't throw that away. So, yeah, Jamal Adams is great, but at this point, man, it would just be a luxury more than uh, a significant add. You know, the thing that kind of perplexes me the most about this is that they traded away DeForest Buckner strictly due to the fact that they weren't going to be able to pay him um, and not only pay him, but make his contract work in addition to all the other players that have contracts that are going to be up. And if they were to trade for Jamal Adams, I feel like they would be putting themselves right back into that position, uh, maybe a year or two delayed. But still, it's like he's going to want that massive contract. Uh, maybe it looks different for that type of position, but still, that's a lot of money you're talking. And the 49ers just financially would it make sense to get rid of DeForest Buckner just to put themselves right back in this position with Jamal Adams so I do agree with you there I don't think that that's likely to happen um, finishing up the George Kittle topic here a lot of people are speculating that he's going to hold out if he doesn't get the contract that he wants uh, he spoke to Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area on a conference call and he did say uh, regarding holding out or not due to his contract quote being a captain I want to be there for my team and I need to show the right leadership skills. So it all sounds like he's going to show up regardless. And um, I believe if I'm understanding the rules correctly, he would lose a year towards his, his uh, a year counted towards his contract if he did sit out. Is that is that correct, Anthony? Do you know about that? Yeah, you are. So according to Travis Hawkins with the Twitter TDHawk21, he was talking about how Kittle basically can't hold out because of the new CBA. He states that the new CBA makes it virtually impossible for players with three cruise seasons to hold out. He later replies, if Kittle reports late or is absent more than five days from camp, he loses an accrued season and would be a restricted free agent in 2021. So he'd basically lose his his unrestricted free agent status because he wasn't the first round pick and he doesn't get a fifth year option. So my understanding is that the first round picks who get fifth year options really are the only ones who can become unrestricted free agents. Everyone else from second on is restricted. So that's basically what would happen with George Kittle is that he would lose the unrestricted free agent status and it would just go straight to restricted. I see. So it's just kind of further disincentivizing him to actually hold out. So I do not think that will happen. Um, last point here on the George Kittle, though. Looking at his contract so far, he's only made $1.9 million in his career. And I know how 
rookie contracts work. However, the guy deserves to get his. He's been a large, large part of the 49ers' success thus far, and he just deserves to be able to be rewarded for that and really uh, solidify his, his place on the 49ers and in the NFL as well. Uh, now, Anthony, we recently saw a contract situation not go so well with Raheem Mostert. And although it hasn't uh, came to a, an end yet, they have requested a trade. And that's kind of where we are with that. On Twitter, we are seeing a lot of fans that are saying, hey, guess what? If you were to cut Tevin Coleman, you would be able to use that money that you're giving him and, and kind of uh, give in to Raheem Mostert's demands. Do you agree with that sentiment that Tevin Coleman is expendable in the sense that cut him and give whatever Raheem Mostert wants out of his his funds due? So I'm too friendly, man. I'm not really the type of person to advocate for cutting people because I'm just, you know, I'm happy that the NFL guys get paid a lot of money and they get, you know, security and stuff like that, or at least it guarantees they get security. But shoot, Tevin Coleman has a, uh, he has a place in this offense and I just, I don't know, maybe maybe restructure his contract and move some of that money to Mostert and maybe balance it out more, give Mostert a little more. Just because I think Kyle Shanahan likes Tevin Coleman way too much to to just up and cut him, or Parag and Lynch to just up and cut Tevin Coleman. I don't think, I don't know, I don't feel like that's the type of move the Niners could make. That just seems like a really prudent move, if you will. But the part of me, Zach, that thinks that, that could happen is just because of how replaceable running backs are in this offense. Like I said before, we've seen guys like Alfred Morris when Shanahan was in Washington. Alfred Morris succeeded. He had Roy Helu Jr., not really someone anyone has heard of too much, uh, exceed. He had great success in Houston with running backs. Obviously, in Atlanta, he got a lot of money out of Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman once again at the time. And the same thing applies to this offense now. He's gotten great, great play out of guys like Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, Matt Breida, and so on and so forth. And even Alfred Morris again when he came back for one season. So that's the part of me that thinks like, okay, I could kind of see them making a move regarding Tevin Coleman because for his role in this offense and an offense that can replace running backs, I do think he is making a uh, favorable amount of money, if you will. But at the same time, an outright cut, I just man, it, it'd be tough for them to. Uh, it'd be tough for me to see them make that kind of move, but shoot, who knows, man? You never know. This team really cares about moving money and restructuring contracts to make other guys fit. And if they were to move money from Tevin Coleman's contract or any other contracts for Raheem Mostert to give him a little more, I could totally see him doing that. You know, I don't understand the hate that Tevin Coleman gets. Um, I just I feel like he was a valuable back this season for the 49ers and a lot of people on Twitter are just so quick to to kind of yeah, write him off or say that uh you know the 49ers shouldn't have signed him, shouldn't have given him the contract that he got. One, he's the exact type of running back that Kyle Shanahan wants. He's had him in two of his offensive systems now and not only that, he's done well. I mean, he, last season he had, you know, 544 yards on 137 carries, averaged four yards a carry, and, you know, found the end zone six times. But he's what he, what I think he really excels at is being that sort of change of pace back. Um, and, and you saw throughout the year 
that certain styles were more effective against certain defenses. Specifically, I'm thinking of the Baltimore game where they were running, running, running with uh, Tevin Coleman, excuse me, and they weren't getting anywhere. He wasn't really able to get much yardage anywhere. It was a couple yards here, a couple yards there, no gain. And then they changed the pace with Raheem Mostert. And that's kind of really where his his uh, breakout year took off, was in Baltimore, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, from there on, he really excelled. But my point is that up until that point, Tevin Coleman was a large part of the offense. And although he didn't really have a breakout game, minus the Carolina game, he had a hell of a game then. Um, he was still a pretty focal part of the offense. So, you know, looking at the contracts here, uh, per sport track, I do see, you know, uh, Tevin Coleman was signed for a two year, eight and a half million dollars. And he has, uh, 5.25 of that million guaranteed. So this year, yeah, he's due to make, uh, 4.25 mil and Raheem Moster is down to 2.9 mil. So I do understand the discrepancy there. I do understand how Raheem Mostert probably felt that, hey, the back end of last year, I uh, played better than this guy. I'm not asking to make more. I'm just asking to make the same. But if you were to cut him, uh, I just don't think that that's, that benefits the team at all. Because um, then, you know, you already traded Brita. Then you're stuck with Raheem Mostert. Um, and after that, it gets real thin. I mean, you got... Jeff Wilson, who's Anthony's favorite, uh, rightfully so. And then you got Jarek McKinnon coming back from injury, who is a giant, giant question mark at this point. And then you got the undrafted uh, stable of backs, you know, Ahmed, Hasty, um, you know, guys like that. So it's like, why would you do that if you're the 49ers? Um, I think there's probably other ways to go around it. And I do value Tevin Coleman's production on this team. Um do you think they would be better without Tevin Coleman? I mean, that's, it kind of seems like a crazy question to ask, but it seems like it's being presented pretty frequently online. I think that someone like that, you just, God, I don't know. It, it's tough. It's really tough. It's hard to justify, but at the same time with, un, with you know, unsure answers regarding the coronavirus and how the salary cap is going to play out, I think the team might have to make a move regarding Tevin Coleman. I could... You know, I said it earlier, but I think I might stand firm with this. I totally think that they could just renegotiate. I don't think Tevin Coleman would mind taking a slight pay cut if it means that they could keep Raheem Mostert. But the problem is that with, you know, running back pay in general, those guys don't make a lot to begin with. And I'm sure Tevin Coleman is very happy making $4.5 this coming season. So we'll have to see. I do think they, the Niners themselves could play hardball with Tevin Coleman saying, hey, look, your contract is extremely expendable. It's either we renegotiate with you and you stay on the team and make a decent amount of money and maybe better than you would on other teams, or we just cut you outright. And I honestly think that's what it could come down to. I think they value Raheem Mostert maybe more than uh, Tevin Coleman, not just because of offensive play, but because of how he plays on special teams as well. And I think that's just it. It's business. And I don't want any of this to happen to Tevin Coleman because he is solid when he plays well and he's at his best. But man, dude, Raheem Mostert is a different type of beast. And with other replaceable running backs in Kyle Shanahan's offense, I just, it, it's a tough situation to be in. It's a really tough situation for the team to be in. You know, I think that's exactly what it is. It's it's a tough situation. And, and it always gets, you know, kind of iffy and, and tough to talk about 
when you're talking about somebody's livelihood, essentially that's what it is. I mean, we're talking about uh, these players' ability as as a as a dad, as a husband, to take care of their family. So it's like I'm not personally going to sit here and say they shouldn't get X amount of money because that's not how I feel. It's not coming out of my pocket. Um, but at the same time, I do support this team and I am a fan of this team and I understand finances are a real aspect of that that equation and there's only so much of the pie to go around. So, um, I mean, point blank, no. Don't cut Tevin Coleman. Keep Tevin Coleman on the roster. Um, at the very least, if you don't appreciate him, he's a smart running back who's an NFL veteran who understand Kyle, understands Kyle Shanahan's system and that alone should prove valuable enough to keep him. And at the end of the day, if you want to restructure his contract, that's that's fine. Um, I would much rather people be arguing for that than to flat out cut him entirely. Um, now, now, Anthony, switching into another position on the offensive side, Kendrick Bourne. He's been the talk of a lot, a lot of conversations this offseason. Uh, he's constantly grinding, posting it on social media for people to see. People are just in love with his work ethic. What type of numbers do you think he will put up uh, this this season, this upcoming season? Kendrick Bourne, Kendrick Bourne, Kendrick Bourne. What, what are they going to do with this guy, man? They got to pay him, first and foremost. He deserves money for how effective he was this past season. And I don't care if he's not the 1,000-yard, 10-touchdown type receiver the team wants or needs. But, man, dude, his usage and his efficiency on third down and in the red zone is unmatched. I think you can you can pay him off that alone. So if I were to predict stats for Kendrick Bourne, I think he'll have a significantly better yardage season than he did last season. I think last season he was just over five or 600. Yeah, you know, just off the top of my head. And a significant amount of touchdowns as well. Do I think that'll step up? I think so, dude. Yeah, we hype up these guys for working out hard in the offseason. And, I mean, all we've seen on Twitter and social media is uh, just Kendrick Bourne working out. But, shoot, dude, he looks motivated and determined now more than ever to really get the job done. I'm not saying he let down the team. But, man, after that Super Bowl loss, I think Kendrick Bourne is just hungry. And it's not that he's hungrier than the rest of the team. but Or not hungrier, you know, just to win. But I think he's just hungry to ball out. And I could totally see him just balling out. So if I had to predict some early season stats now, man, I think he'll top 800 yards, and I think he could push eight receiving touchdowns. I really think so. Kendrick Bourne is very effective in this offense. He's a very effective wide receiver. And even with Brandon Ayuk, if he's going to be the go-to red zone target again, then let him be that because he does a really good job at being a red zone target, point blank. Wow, 800 yards, that's that's a lot, especially with – you know, all of the mouths to feed that the 49ers just added uh, this offseason and guys coming back from injury. Um, you know, last season, according to Pro Football Reference, I have his stats up right here. Uh, he played in all 16 games. Uh, he had 30 receptions for 358 yards, five touchdowns, and roughly 12 yards per reception. And they're good stats. They're good stats for somebody who's not uh, a number one target, uh, even a number two target. You could argue he was the third target behind. Kittle, Debo, and then Sanders when Sanders came in, possibly even fourth target. Uh, I, I think we both agree that where he was the most valuable and lethal was in the end zone. Uh, I think he found his his real kind of niche there as an end zone threat for the 49ers, a red zone threat for the 49ers. And I think it, Jimmy proved that he was 
the most comfortable looking for him, if not George Kittle, in these situations, uh, maybe due to the fact that he's 6'1", maybe due to the fact that he's able to get open and play physically in the end zone, whatever the case may be, I think Jimmy proved that he's he's comfortable looking for him the most out of anyone. Um, so if I had to predict his stats coming into this year, I do think that he improves upon last year, but I don't think he gets quite to 800 yards yet. I just think that that's too steep of a hill of a goal to climb for him, especially when you have, you know, Ayuk who just was drafted. Uh, you got Trent Taylor and Jalen Hurd, hopefully coming back healthy uh, into the mix. Um, and you got Debo Samuel entering year two. I think there's just, you know, a lot of, a lot of mouths to feed to just to be frank with you. So I don't think that he'll get that far, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw, 550, 600 yards receiving, and you know I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go crazy, and I'm gonna double his uh, receiving touchdowns from last year. Last season he had five. I'm gonna say he has ten this year, and that's strictly due to the fact that the 49ers, I believe, will transition more into a pass-first offense, and instead of all of those touchdowns that were on the ground, I think this upcoming season more will be through the air. And I think just due to the sheer volume, Kendrick Bourne will catch at least 10 of those. Um, do you think that uh, he will continue to be the third or fourth target? Yeah, absolutely. I think Debo Samuel can really establish himself this coming season as that outside the numbers, one-on-one matchup boundary type guy like we saw like we saw against the Falcons, like we saw on that catch against Marcus Peter and against the Ravens in the rain, which was really impressive. And I think Brandon Ayuk could grow into that guy as well. I think Ayuk could kind of, uh, I think Ayuk's first season will be kind of how Debo's was really super effective up the middle with yards after the catch. Not so effective one-on-one just yet. Like again, Debo had his moments, but he wasn't like Jimmy Garoppolo's go-to deep target like you would say a Gronkowski or obviously even a Kittle. I think Ayuk will be in that Debo type role Debo was in. Not playing the X receiver so much, but more so just, being who Debo was. And then that leaves Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne will, I, I think he'll be everything, dude. I think he could be a one-on-one guy. He'll be a, in the middle of the field guy. He'll be a red zone guy. He'll be your third down go-to guy. I think he's, uh, it's kind of, uh, kind of weird to say, but I think Kendrick Bourne might arguably be the best well-rounded wide receiver on the team. And yeah, maybe I'm glorifying it a little bit just because of his effectiveness, but shoot, his when his number got called upon to come through, he did it. Shoot, maybe not so much the Super Bowl, you know, at least in the second half. But uh, you know, in the regular season, Bourne uh, Bourne did the job, and he did it very effectively. And he found holes in zones. He beat man coverage. He outran guys. He won jump balls. He, you know, had great tough contested catches throughout the season. And arguably more so than Debo, and I'm not trying to knock Debo, don't get me wrong. And I know Kendrick Bourne only had 30 catches, but it felt like within those 30 catches, man, he again, it felt like he was arguably the best receiver on the team. Not just from a yards perspective, but I guess you can say from a success perspective, if you will. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think Bourne will just, he's going to be the everything guy, just like this past season where he was kind of there when the team needed him. I think Kendrick Bourne is going to be prepped and he's going to be ready to excel in this offense and honestly just do whatever the heck Kyle Shanahan needs him to do. Yeah, to- totally agree. Um, and I think next season's kind of going to be pivotal for his career and the fact that, or I should say, in the way that 
it's going to define what type of position he is or what type of receiver he is moving forward. Is he a guy that's going to continue to get better and improve and constantly work on his craft and hone in on his talents and be able to move up the ladder into a possible number one receiver, if not with the 49ers and with another team? Or is he a receiver that's going to uh, be a role player, somebody who's going to be, uh, you know, second or third target? And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying for Kendrick Bourne, for his kind of trajectory, either he's going to plateau here or he's going to continue rising and, you know, whatever the case may be, I'm just thrilled that he's had his career so far with the 49ers. Cause I think he's a fantastic player and from the looks of it, an even better human being an even better person. Uh, so it's kind of been fun to watch his career blossom in, in, in a way but I'm really excited to see what he has in store this year. Uh, now, wrapping it up, guys, we have one last topic for you. Um, and this one's going to kind of be fun. Uh, Anthony, I was thinking back today. I tweeted out uh, uh, that picture of Alex Smith's run against the Saints in the playoffs at Candlestick. And I kind of made a joke, you know, that, that meme where it's like, you know, scientists have said that you cannot hear pictures. And then the picture is Alex Smith running in that that t- uh, the touchdown run in the end zone. Um, what are some of your favorite 49ers memories looking back? Gosh, based off of my memory alone, let's see. The pick at the stick, that will forever be one of the best. Uh, the Vernon Davis catch two. Or no, that's a catch three. I guess you can call it the catch three. Wow, that was like... I was really young back then, and I I didn't really understand football as much as I did now. I just remember screaming and yelling. But I rewatched that game last week, and when I rewatched it, I like honestly I got goosebumps. I was like, "Damn, that was one, that was one hell of a moment." Considering you know the same thing you're talking about with Alex Smith, uh, for what the team went through and for what the team was going through that whole season with all the success and just being able to combine as one and surprise a lot of people fast kind of like what this team is doing now. Wow. That was just, it, it was incredible and leave it to the Niners for that to come against the saints, you know, but, uh, again, to another memory, uh, uh, so as you say, another memory, just like against the saints, dude, George Kittle's, uh, yards after the catch along with the face mask. And obviously years later, I understand football now and seeing that is like, holy, holy crap. That was just, it was unbelievable. It was absolutely just, Truly unbelievable. And man, it just thinking about all these memories now, Zach, it really makes me hope that there is going to be football, but obviously put safety first because I think safety is the priority. But damn, what what I would do to uh, just ensure that there'd be a season this year, just to get some more Niners memories and get to see more Niners football, dude, because we've gotten some incredible, incredible memories like Kaepernick's uh, Green Bay performance when he ran the hell out of the ball. Alex Smith's memories against the Saints, just like Vernon Davis. And even with this current regime now, like Nick Bosa's incredible game against the Panthers, where he literally got uh, an amazing interception. Um, God, beating the Seahawks in Seattle on the one-yard line with Dre Greenlaw stopped. That's another fantastic memory. I can go on and on, man. But again, I just, I really, really hope there's Niners football, dude, because I... I want more memories and I'm just hungry. I'm, I'm hungry. I'm hungry to watch the players play, man. That's I'm hungry for football Sunday where I can get some wings, get some chips, get some waters and beers and just 
have a good time watching my Niners, man. I, I hope for it, and I honestly just can't wait. Yeah, you, I mean, you covered a lot of them there. But for me, it goes all the way back to being a little kid, honestly. Uh, I think I've told you guys before, I really got into the 49ers when I was like four or five years old. And it was mainly due to the fact that my, my father was a huge 49ers fan. He is a huge 49ers fan. And I would just like to watch football just to kind of be able to, you know, when you're a kid and you want to be like your dad, you want to do everything your dad does. That's what I did. And, you know, I got into the 49ers football because of that. Uh, but, man, watching, you know, Jeff Garcia throw to T.O., uh, you know, even, even the dark days, man. I feel like some of the first games I went to um, were, you know, like uh, Tim Rattay and Ken Dorsey, even, uh, gosh, what, what was his name? Nate, the big number seven, Nate. I can't remember his last name right now. But, man, people thought that he was going to be legit, even just because of his size. But he was not. That's what that That's for sure. But even some of the darkest days of 49ers history are some of my fondest memories, to be honest with you, uh, going out there to Candlestick back when, you know, the 49ers still played there and, and, and uh, you know, tailgating, stuff like that. So, and, and more recently, I think you touched on there, one of the brightest moments in, in my, you know, 49ers fandom has to be that Saints game where Alex Smith and Vernon Davis just shredded them at the last second. That was beautiful to see. And then not only that, I don't think you touched on the the Falcons game that sent them to the Super Bowl uh, where they came back down from that, like, you know, 21-point deficit or however far they were down. And, you know, Cap and Frank Gore and Crabtree, they just fought their way back into it. I, I don't think there's been a moment where I've cried tears of happiness and I was hammered, man. If I'm being completely honest with you, I was hammered. But I was just crying my eyes out, thinking my team's going to the Super Bowl. Um, but mo- most recently, it has to be that Seattle game. Um, and I know people are probably thinking, like, well, what about the, uh, what about the, you know, uh, the game against the Packers where they they killed them and they went to Super Bowl? That was a great game. Uh, we were lucky enough to be at that game. However. Just due to the simple, the fact that the next week or the next game, I should say, that what happened in the Super Bowl took place, it kind of mars the memory for me, if I'm being honest. So I, I really think of the Seahawks game this last season and the fact that the 49ers were able to reestablish their dominance in the NFC West. And that just kind of went to show for me the tides are changing. They took the baton back from the Seahawks, and we've talked about this previous in previous podcasts. I don't think it's going to to be between them and Seattle anymore. It's probably going to be them in Arizona will be the rivalry to keep an eye out for the next couple of years. But just seeing that happen with my own eyes and being able to watch it with my fiance and my brother, it was just a great memory to make. And, you know, I'm super excited for a lot more memories just like that. Hopefully all good, which unfortunately, being a 49ers fan, they never are. But moving forward, and, you know, I'm just super excited to see, uh, to, or excuse me, super excited to anticipate and have those memories be made. Uh, but, yeah, that that's it, guys. Make sure you, if you guys want to share some, uh, send us some tweets with your favorite 49ers memory, how you got into following the 49ers, we'd love to hear them. Uh, you can tweet them at the podcast, RGS Pod. You can tweet them at 49ers Hive. Anthony and I will both drop our handles once we close this out. Um, Anthony, I think we're going to move on to our standard shout-outs and wrap this up. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? 
how about you take the floor this time? All right. Uh, for me, I don't have too many guys. Uh, what I mainly wanted to start with is we recently just gave away a 49ers jersey. Uh, we were going to give it away once we reached 7,000. However, once we, uh, I think it was Friday morning, I happened to log on and I saw we were five away from 6,900. And I figured, you know what, let's just get this over with. There's enough negativity in the world. Let's let's make someone's day. So we, we gave it out. We ran the giveaway until 6 p.m. Pacific time. And the winner was James Mann. So shout out to James Mann. Uh, he has a white George Kittle jersey. Should be on the way to him shortly. And we really appreciate your support over the years. He, I believe he was one of our original followers of 49ers Hive. So shout out to James. We really appreciate your support. And thank you to everybody who followed and has you know constantly been showing their support. What's funny is we ended up topping 7,000 in the same day anyway. So, you know, I, I tweeted out kind of jokingly that I'll do it in goodwill as a sign of goodwill that you guys will get us to over 7K. And you guys did. So we really, really do appreciate that. And a lot of you guys came and followed the podcast Twitter, which we, you know, really appreciate that because we are trying to grow this thing from the ground up. So any support we get, we really do appreciate. Um, but that's it. And also... Go and follow us on YouTube. We are like five subscribers away from giving away another 49ers jersey there. So make sure you're included. Make sure that you're dropping your your name, your Twitter handle in the comments so we know it's you. Uh, Anthony, what do you got for us? I just got one shout out today. But uh, it's for a guy who uh, puts social media content out for 4th and 9. His uh, Twitter at is Rick. This dude has, uh, he's 50 followers away from 5,000, so get him up there if you can. But I just want to shout him out because all offseason so far, even throughout the coronavirus, the guy has been nonstop with putting out content for guys like Jaquaski Tart, Javon Kinlaw, Kendrick Bourne, George Kittle, Jimmy Garoppolo, and he just, he puts stuff out every single day, and it's just amazing the editing and whatnot he does, so that, it's just a random shout out for me, but I appreciate people who work really hard. I think you guys should you know, take a look at his content, take a look at the pictures and videos he puts up because uh, the stuff he kind of puts helps me get through the day. It helps me, you know, look at Niners stuff and go, man, I can't wait to watch them play if they get the chance to. Just seeing all the highlights and seeing all the workout videos he puts out, man, it's just, it's awesome to see. It really is. So shout out to uh, Yakovo and Rick. He puts out content again for fourth and nine. I'd say give him a follow because the guy, he just puts out really good quality content, man. And, uh, you know, with a slow off season and with everything going on, I appreciate stuff like that. So shout out to Rick. He's uh, one of the only real ones on Twitter who puts out, again, solid content. So yeah, last shout out. That's for Rick. Yeah, that that's a great shout out, Anthony. I've been following Rick for a long time. And, you know, I, I agree with you. He puts out some really, really good videos and he puts out, you know, good content. So make sure you guys go and follow him uh, as well. And also follow fourth and nine. Uh, you know, they, they just started within the last year or so, I believe, but Dylan's really got something cool going on over there. So make sure you're following them. Um, we got our, 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 uh, guy front of the show, Eric Crocker's over there. So just make sure that you guys are checking them out as well. Cause they're putting out fantastic content. Um, that's going to do it for us today, guys. We really, really appreciate you guys tuning in to another episode of the Red and Gold Standard podcast. If you guys want to show some support, 
uh, the, the best thing you could do for us to help us grow is leave a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. Uh, if it allows you to leave reviews, we really appreciate it. Anthony and I check every one of them and they make our day. So if you want to show some support, please follow us on Twitter at RGS pod and leave a five-star review. Anthony, you want to close this out? What an amazing episode, Zach. This one, uh, this one was a fun one. I know it's a slow time to really, uh, put out Niner stuff, but to bring out memories, to talk about guys like Kendrick Bourne and George Kittle and Mostert, it's, uh, it's a lot to think about. And I think it's great stuff to think about once the, uh, preseason really gets going. I know there's going to be two games, but two games means a ton of quick, fast, uh, roster moves. So it is yet to be seen what's going to happen with Tevin Coleman and Mostert, but, uh, I believe in whatever the team does. I think whatever they do is obviously in the best interest for the team, even if the fans don't like it, except for the George Kittle thing. (laughs) George Kittle needs to get signed. But uh, other than that, I trust the team. But as always, Zach, follow me on Twitter, Perry underscore 49ers. That's P-E-R-R-Y underscore 49-E-R-S. Take care, guys. Thank you.